Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, we are talking with Anne Roderick-Jones. Anne is the head of content for Sherman's Travel Media and has been working with the company for nearly a decade. Her writing has appeared in print and online versions of Condé Nast Traveler, Vogue, Travel and Leisure, Afar, Shape, Town and Country, Southern Living, Artful Living, Men's Health, and The Knot, among many others. She is also the writer and host of the podcast, The Springfield Three, A Small Town Disappearance. Welcome, Anne. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you. You know, during your career, you have interviewed celebrities, sports stars, and written features on everyone from mean moms to feminist football fans, you say. You've sweated it out with a shaman in Mexico and swim with the sharks in Hawaii. What are some of your most memorable experiences? Well, I would say you mentioned the swimming with sharks. I was able to swim with sharks in Hawaii on Oahu's North Coast with Ocean Ramsey. She's this marine biologist and is really an advocate for shark conservation. Okay. And um, it was such a cool dive because rather than like the sharks in those scary cages, which seems just terrifying, we were able to do this free dive um, and really get, you know, up close with the sharks that it was such a weirdly calming experience. I think there were a little over 40 sandbar and Galapagos sharks and it was just a, it was incredible. So I would say that's one of them. Um, Another one was whenever I was visiting this island of Seba, I was um, doing an article for Vogue, and it's a small Caribbean island that a lot of people don't know about, and I didn't know a lot about, but when I arrived, um, you know, there aren't any chain hotels, cruise ships aren't allowed to dock there, it's just, it almost feels a little bit frozen in time, and so lovely and authentic, and I was staying at this hotel owned by a lovely couple, and I was like, okay, well, you know, how do I get around, do I take a taxi, and they're like, oh, just walk out to the street and stick your thumb up, and someone will pick you up. And I was like, okay. And so that's what I did the entire time I was there. It was crazy. Like there'd be like a granny picking me up on her way to like a family barbecue or (laughs) someone dropping me off on the way to the store. And then we'd pick up someone else's cousin. And it was just, it was amazing to have an experience like that. um, You know, while you're traveling, it's really what, to me, what traveling is all about. Yeah. So can you walk us through your career briefly and how you ended up at Sherman's? Sure. So um, I started out at the Knot Magazine where I worked for five years on both print and online. I then moved to a site called You Beauty that was the science behind beauty site that was owned by Dr. Oz. And I was there for a while. And I then started to go freelance. And so I freelanced for a bunch of different publications, you know, from Vogue to Arc Digest to Travel and Leisure. And during that time, I also freelanced for Sherman's Travel. And so when the position opened as the head of content, I had a great relationship with the former head of content who referred me to the role. It was supposed to be this like six month deal. And it's been over two years because it's just been such a great experience to work with that team. Oh, that's wonderful. And as the head of content for them, what does that role entail? Um, Well, it entails, you know, working 
constantly with freelance writers, um, you know, writers on the team, and then publicists, of course. I'm in charge of all content that's written and published on the site. So everything from editorial content like slideshows or long-form travel articles to branded content to social media to email copy. Okay. Okay. For those who are not super familiar um, or very familiar with Sherman's, how would you describe it in its audience? The Sherman's travel audience, um, we consider them smart travelers that are open to adventure. They're experienced, frequent travelers, and they're educated and they're eager to explore. So they come to us and they're looking for the best places to travel as well as inspiration for the future. Um, 88% of our readers are in luxury travel buyers. 56% of our readers have a salary over 75K. Um, About half of them have graduate and postgraduate degrees. So for us, our travelers are really looking for smart luxury, which means that they're getting these incredible, unique experiences and they may be, you know, paying a little bit less, or they may be, you know, getting something unique in the way of a room or, you know, whether it's a, a chef's dinner or just something that makes it a little bit unique and interesting. It doesn't mean that you have to have these private jets, but it could be being a member of um, a club that has private jets. So okay. really looking for a smart experience that has a luxury bend. Okay. So as PR professionals, what is the best way to share the travel deals with you and others there and what helps get them noticed? Sure. So I think just being familiar with the site. So that could mean, you know, looking on there and seeing that we have this section called um, Smart Stays. And what that is, is, you know, they're luxury hotels. We do these reviews of the hotel. So maybe you have a hotel that just had a refresh, or maybe you have a brand new hotel that is a new client, you know, maybe putting something in the subject line that says, you know, smart stay pitch, and then why it would be good for that particular franchise. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we have a smart luxury section on the site. We have crews on the site, but I would just say finding a place where it could be a fit and sending me an email that, you know, correlates to that is such a great way to be able to be featured or to just probably be in the back of our minds. Okay. Is all of the content um, editorial or is there paid as well? Yeah. So we do branded content on the side as well. And we typically, you know, depending on who it is, whether it's a cruise, we have a cruise expert that takes care of all of our cruise content, who's been cruising for decades. Um, you know, we have luxury travel writers on tap. We have hotel experts, or we can have, you know, a roster of freelancers that live in particular places. If it's say visit Florida, then we certainly have a roster of Florida writers to write that content. So yeah, we, we do branded content as well on the site. Okay. Do you have any pet peeves when it comes to PR professionals or pitching you? I would say I don't have a ton of pet peeves because I love working with PR professionals. But if I did have one pet peeve, it would just be like when I get a quick one-liner that says, what are you working on? And I think that's, (sighs) it's really hard because it's so broad and I'm always working on different things. And I just don't have a lot of time to reply back with every single thing I'm working on. So I would say that that is probably my only pet peeve. Okay. And now that you're a full-time with Sherman's, are you able to fit in much freelancing? Um, no, <laughs> not really. It's, a lot of my time goes to, you know, is dedicated to Sherman's travel, but occasionally I'll do a hotel review for travel and leisure or, 
write for a quarterly luxury magazine called Artful Living, and that's a print magazine. So um, that's really all that I have time for. And if I do that, it's like, you know, usually I'll spend my weekend trying to write a story or something. But those, those are the two that I kind of still have a relationship with. Okay. How do you tend to find your stories? Um, I would say for the most part, it's um, travels that I've already done. So, you know, taking an adventure in Seva and pitching a story or writing a story for Sherman's Travel about it. Or um, I did this really amazing trip to Alaska and got to do all of these really crazy adventures that, you know, you normally wouldn't find at a hotel. So it makes for a unique perspective. So I would say just you know, past adventures that I've had allow me to be able to come back and write content. Um, I also love to interview people. So I think that if I can find someone who's really interesting and have the chance to interview them, it's, you know, for me, a really good opportunity to build a story around that. Do you get to travel very often with Sherman's? Yes. Um, I travel quite a bit. Uh, (laughs) We are remote right now. So, and I think we'll probably remain remote like most places. So it allows me to be able to do my job and kind of work from anywhere, which is fantastic because we want to be well-traveled on the site. We want to be looked at as experts. And so, yeah, I do. I travel quite a bit um, as much as I, you know, as much as I can or time allows for sure. Yeah. How big is the team internally? Um, so we have a team of about 15 right now and we're growing at the moment. We had a new employee start at the beginning of this week and one the week before that we brought on a new salesperson. So our team is definitely as travel picks up is starting to grow, which is fantastic. So how did travel coverage continue during COVID with Sherman's? Yeah, that's a great question. I started about a month before the pandemic and then that happened and we completely had to, change the way we wrote about travel. Obviously, people aren't just setting off to the Caribbean anymore. They're not buying travel packages. Basically, it came to a halt. So what we did was a lot of road trip stories, um, road trips, anything nature driven became super popular because people eventually did want to get out of their house. They just wanted to do it safely. Right. We started writing some newsy pieces, which is something we hadn't done in the past. So we covered, you know, what was happening in the world of travel. We would have to, you know, consult the CDC. We focused our editorial content and a lot of that was inspiration too. So, you know, writing these uh, stories or creating slideshows about, travel that you might want to do in the future, which really paid off for us because now that people are traveling again, instead of waiting until they're, you know, 80 to take these bucket list trips, we're actually doing them now. So it, you know, we didn't, weren't able to see the future, but it turns out that all of that content that we had written in a way, you know, that was really geared towards inspiration is something that people are actually looking to do a lot sooner than later. Yes. And because of that, now you're growing. Exactly. Yeah. So we're growing, which is really, I think anyone in the travel industry, you know, you, everyone from, you know, publicists to writers to marketing is so happy to see that people are able to travel again. Yes. Oh, isn't it fantastic? And it's so great. (laughs) What are some of your upcoming travels? Um, So my husband and I are going to, we just rented the the small Airbnb in Italy for the month of July and we're going to go there. I'm going to work while I'm there. So, you know, my hours will be a little bit strange, but you know, that's kind of one of those post pandemic things. That's not something we normally would have done. Um, my husband 
is a nurse anesthetist. So he worked in the COVID units at Mount Sinai. And I think it was kind of this, like, you know, life is short. Let's do the things that we've been wanting to do and stop putting them off. And so that's going to be our next trip. And it was kind of a result of everything that had happened during the pandemic. Yeah, I think a lot of us are finding that. And I think the whole, you know, worries of recession and that sort of thing are just not even worries at the moment for a lot of people that they just need to get out there and and do these travels they wanted to do for so long. Exactly. It's amazing to see like the hoops that people are willing to jump through to do these trips that they weren't able to do during that time. Yeah. Yeah. What is one thing that we'd be surprised to learn about you? I would say maybe that I grew up in the Ozarks. I've been in cities for so long. I went to college in San Francisco and lived in New York and New Orleans. And But I'm really from um, this kind of weird, mysterious area that no one knew where it was until that show came until out. Until the so, show, right? Yeah, which is great. It's actually now I can like, people can, you know, when someone asks you where you're from, it's like when I told them before, no one knew what it was. So right. It's nice to know I grew up, um, you know, my dad lived on the lake there and I grew up, I had a, a pet pig. Maybe that's something someone would be surprised <laughs> to know. I was going to say, everyone asked you if it was like the show, but now you're probably describing it like it's like the show. <laughs> you know, I would say that that show definitely um, has a lot of similarities to where I grew up. I mean, there was, you know, obviously some, some things are much more dramatic, but sure. you know, there are some things that kind of ring true that you see growing up in an area like that. Yeah. That is really interesting. So you went from there to San Francisco for college. Yep. And then, um, back to Missouri for just a bit. Then my husband and I moved to New York in 2007. Okay. And, um, as of 2015, we've, started splitting our time between New York and New Orleans. Okay. Yeah. We were talking about right before, right before the podcast that you're in New York. So you may hear some background there and, um, surprisingly still in the city. So that's great. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's definitely, um, it's a loud place to be, but it's, you know, it was so quiet for so long that it's almost kind of welcoming to hear the noises of people down below. Yes. Do you feel like it's still slower than it was before COVID? I don't think so. Um, I was on a walk last night. The sidewalks were just packed with people and that could be because it's summertime and everyone wants to get out. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it, you know, it feels bustling for sure. You definitely see tourists on the subways now and, um, you know, out and about. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see that. So before we go, we must talk about your true crime podcast, the Springfield three congratulations, by the way, on 1 million downloads. <laughs> That's fantastic. How did the podcast come about? Um, well, it came about because it was a, a crime that happened in my hometown in the Ozarks and it involved three women that just disappeared. And it's kind of remains this mystery in the Ozarks to this day. And I was thinking about it one day while I was training for a marathon because I was listening to all this true crime just to pass Uh the time. (laughs) And I thought about this and was like, you know, this could actually be a really cool true crime podcast. I had no idea like how to make a podcast or I didn't know anything about writing a podcast, but I just thought that it would make a good one. And I did some research and there wasn't a lot on it. And so I reached out to this amazing podcast company, Edit Audio, um, who ended up wanting to produce it. And so we went into a partnership together 
I don't really know what we were expecting just to tell an interesting story and, you know, really try not to sensationalize a true crime. Yeah. And I think it, you know, I think it turned out really well. We weren't expecting the success that it's had, but I was able to spend a lot of time writing it because again of the pandemic, I didn't have a life. So I just right. like, you know, I had all these weekends free and my evenings free. So I was able to kind of do that in my off hours where I wasn't traveling or wasn't going out to dinner or anything fun. <laughs> so <laughs> right. um, I thought, why not do that? And it ended up, uh, it worked out really well. Yeah. I think that's when a lot of us started podcasts, you know, we had always kind of thought about doing it and had to do it, but we had a little bit extra time. So yeah. Is that when you started yours? It is. It is. Yes. I had wanted to do it. Oh my goodness. For probably eight years. I mean, right after podcasts had started, but before they were really popular, but just could not fit it in. And, you know, as a PR professional, you talk with journalists daily and, um, in doing them, I thought, oh, we should really record these and share them with other, uh, PR professionals and, and listeners and readers and all of that. Um, but finally got a chance to do it. So (laughs) that's great. I think that's, um, you know, it's such an important part of our job is working together, Yeah. And you mentioned PR professionals, you know, what is, what is the best way for us to work together? I don't know if this is popular opinion, but I really like to have phone calls and now even better have zoom with publicists Mm -hmm. because it allows me to put a face with a name. And I think you probably know, like just getting to know someone, to know their voice, know what they look like. It really helps when you're getting, you know, a thousand pitches every day. So to me, it's just about having that personal relationship with the publicist, because then they're going to know like, oh, you know, Annie can use this story on, you know, this hotel or whatever. I know she might pitch this to, you know, a certain publication. And to me, that's just the best way to have a relationship with a PR professional because it's personal. Um, And then, you know, of course, like, lunch and coffee are always great. It's, it's hard to have time and make time for that. Um, but if I can do that, I certainly love to be able to meet someone in person. That's great to know that you're open to that too. You know, we're talking with some journalists that even if they're in the city or, you know, going that way to take clients that they're like, Oh, I still, it has to be really special to meet in person. I'm not, <laughs> not quite there yet, you know, to go out of my, of my house often. So that's good that you don't feel that same way. No, I love meeting with people. I think for me, it's just about, you know, especially in New York, it's like the amount of like time. So if someone is willing to like come a little bit closer to me so that I can, you know, not spend an hour on the subway, that always makes it really convenient. There's a coffee shop near my apartment that is like the best spot for meeting. There are always tables and yeah, I love meeting publicists. And again, I'm like, I'm happy to travel or do whatever. Like I love a walking meeting. I've done those in Central Park a lot, which is really uh-huh. lovely because you're like exercising and also, you know, getting work done at the same time. Right. So um, I'm always willing to do that as well. That's great. And, and going back to your podcast quickly, how many episodes are there? So we started out with eight episodes and then we ended up you know, a lot of information came in during the eight and that was just going to be our one and done, but we ended up getting some new information about the case and having people that otherwise weren't interested in being interviewed or working with media kind of came out and wanted to tell their story. So we did three bonus episodes and I think we'll be working on a season two at some point. So cool. We can't wait to watch for it. How do listeners connect with you online? Um, so I have a website, um, annrodrickjones.com, and there's an option to email me. Email is always a great way to get in touch. Um, I'm 
probably on Instagram more than any other social platform, and that's Annie Marie underscore. Um, my Twitter handle is the same, but Instagram, you know, like DMs are totally fine and emails. So great. Well, thank you. We look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Media and Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.